0: This is Wellness Wednesday from The Current. I'm Jill Riley. Now mask mandates have been lifted in the states, people are dining out, starting to gather again in larger groups, with lots of concert announcements for this summer and fall. So it would seem like a sense of normalcy is on the horizon. But for some after a long pandemic, you know, that transition back to normal, quote unquote normal, may be more difficult in the psychological sense, which feels really understandable. So the topic today, we're going to talk about social anxiety and I have an expert on the line, an associate professor of clinical psychology at the University of Minnesota, Dr. Shmuel Lissick. Good morning. Good morning. What are some of the problems you're observing in terms of social anxiety with people and that kind of, quote, unquote, returning to normal after a long pandemic?
1: You know, I think the kinds of of anxiety related to um, increasing Uh, experiences of being in close proximity with others really come from two sources. One is less classically associated with social anxiety, though related, which is physical threat of transmission. Uh, and the second is fear of negative evaluation from others. Mm. Uh, so let's start with the physical threat of transmission. You know, so many of us have learned to fear social closeness because it increases r- risk. And it will actually take some time for many, a- many of us to unlearn this. And this fear of physical threat is also related to social anxiety, which is more about the fear of social scrutiny. A person might be concerned um, that their worries about safety uh, while in close proximity with another, will compromise their ability to be the best version of themselves. Hmm. Uh, that is, they may find it hard to relax during live social interactions, um, leading to concerns that you're not coming across well to the person you're interacting with fear of negative evaluation from others. Basically, one of the sources is concerns that others will be critical of vaccine and social distancing decisions a person makes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fact that there's such wide variation uh, across Minnesota uh, in how people are approaching COVID-related precautions sort of sets us up for being concerned uh, that others may disapprove of the particular approach we take. People are currently feeling a bit unsure of how to proceed, and they may be more likely to blame themselves for making a bad decision. Uh, when others show disapproval.
0: So I can understand that it's like, okay, okay. well, I'm wearing a mask just because I want to be more safe in this situation. But does that mean people are going to think that I'm not vaccinated or are they going to think I'm being overly cautious? Like, I get that point of um, the negative evaluation and causing anxiety or like, am I being weird? Am I talking too much? I don't remember how to talk to strangers. You know, it's like it's being amplified as we kind of head toward this post-pandemic world. Well, um, Dr. Lissick, I wonder, d- does a person need to have a diagnosed social disorder to struggle with social anxiety? I mean, it kind of sounds like what you're talking about is pretty relatable.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, most people experience some level of social anxiety. But when it passes the threshold uh, of clinical significance, which, mm-hmm. which is operationalized um, as either um, causing dysfunction in your life, avoiding going out on dates, which leads you to feel isolated and unfulfilled in terms of your intimacy needs, or if the social anxiety causes personal distress uh, to the point that it substantially reduces your quality of life. So those two things are what turn social anxiety into something worthy of treatment, into something worthy of, of diagnosis. Essentially, if it's interrupting your ability to function in important areas of your life, like work, personal, uh, or if it's causing you undue distress.
0: Is it possible to experience maybe some certain aspects of PTSD because of the pandemic?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, particularly if COVID has brought threat of death or serious injury, um, or if you've witnessed others dying or experiencing uh, harmful consequences, then yes. It wouldn't necessarily be in the realm of PTSD if it's just sort of the stress related to COVID. Um, It has to be more actual or threatened death. Mm -hmm. And you've had the PTSD-related symptoms as a consequence, which would include things like hyperarousal, so constantly feeling on edge, re-experiencing, which is having the traumatic experience. Uh, being constantly cued by the milieu in your environment that remind you of the trauma, undue avoidance of things that remind you of the trauma, hmm. changes in cognition, like believing that the that the world at large is dangerous. If you have all these kinds of symptoms, which, again, like social anxiety disorder, need to cross that clinically significant boundary. So those symptoms resulting uh, from the COVID-related trauma need to either cause dysfunction or personal distress.
0: I'm joined by Associate Professor of Clinical Psychology at the University of Minnesota, Dr. Shmuel Lissick. Um, You know, I guess, what are some strategies we can use to navigate the social situations that we haven't had to deal with in many months? Can you leave us with some suggestions or, again, some strategies? Yeah. So,
1: I mean, I think, you know, maybe first and foremost, people should be kind and patient with themselves and others. As we resume live social interactions, we should uh, understand that we uh, are doing the best we can with limited information Um, And others are as well. And so we need to have sort of a generosity of spirit toward ourselves and others uh, as we reintegrate. Another thing is to remember that the social skills you've acquired over a lifetime haven't gone anywhere. And they may not be as rusty as you think, as many of us have continued to exercise them through online interactions with others during the pandemic. It's impossible to adopt COVID-related safety measures that will please everyone. Mm -hmm. We should move forward uh, by following rules that make sense to us given recommendations from trustworthy outlets.
0: Well, that's some good advice, Dr. Shmuel Lissick. Um, and again, you know, if you are struggling or you know someone that is struggling, there is no shame in reaching out for help because something like social anxiety or the symptoms you're feeling, they can be helped, wouldn't you agree?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, if, if a person uh, believes that, uh, that their quality of life has been substantially decreased due to social anxiety, that's what Psychology and psychiatry are there for. They're mm-hmm. to relieve human suffering resulting from uh, emotional and cognitive problems. So, yes, you should avail yourself of those technologies. Uh, those treatments, which are quite effective.
0: Well, we're wrapping it up for another edition of Wellness Wednesday. I've been joined by Associate Professor of Clinical Psychology at the University of Minnesota, Dr. Shmuel Lissick. Thank you so much for joining The Current's Morning Show.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And some great advice to uh, leave us to, you know, treat each other with a little grace. And it's not bad to be kind and generous with uh, ourselves and each other right now. Thanks for listening to Wellness Wednesday from The Current. I'm Jill Riley. Our producer is Anna Wegel, and our digital producer is Jay Gabler. Our theme music is a portion of the song FB1 No. 2 by Christian Bjorklund under the non-commercial Sharealike 3.0 international license. Head to thecurrent.org for more wellness content and great music.